If you were with us at all over the summer, you probably know that we've just completed a series in the book of Psalms. In fact, during the past six weeks, we were looking at examples of different types of Psalms, ones that talk about creation, for example, or longing, or justice, or refuge. And last week, we looked at one that was all about thanksgiving and praise. In fact, it was the A to Z of praise. That's what Biddy suggested in her talk, if you were here. But earlier on in the summer, we had a psalm of lament, Psalm 12. And it's been estimated that about a third of the psalms we have in the book of Psalms are actually ones of lament. These are songs and poems expressing grief, suffering, difficulty, sadness. Psalms that contain questions like, How long, Lord? or Why, Lord? And as we're all aware, the past few years have been difficult ones for everyone, and we're facing many ongoing challenges that are likely to affect us all for some time to come. So with that in mind, today we're beginning a short journey through the book of Lamentations, which is a book tucked away towards the end of the Old Testament, sandwiched between Jeremiah and Ezekiel, which probably isn't the most familiar part of the Bible for any of us. The book of Lamentations is in some ways difficult and disturbing to read. It was written in the context of war, famine and destruction. And as I've said, it's probably an unfamiliar book. It certainly was to me. Apart from a few well-known verses that we find in the middle, the rest of the book was pretty much a complete unknown when I started reading it a few weeks ago. I'd never studied the book of Lamentations. I don't think I'd even heard a talk or sermon from this book until just recently. But what I've discovered is that it is a very powerful book, one that's full of emotion and vivid images and poetic descriptions. And speaking personally, my plan is to continue to read through this book as often as I can during the coming weeks as we go through this journey into lament. I very much want to encourage all of us to read this book, in fact, to discover what it says as we pray that God will speak to us through what was written a very long time ago in very difficult circumstances. The title of the book tells us what to expect to find in it, lamentation. So it's no surprise to discover that the The writer is pouring out their heart in distress, mourning, and grief because of something awful that has just happened. Just reading the first verse of the first chapter, if you've got it, we immediately sense that something terrible has occurred. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. And we can picture that, can't we? Because... During the COVID lockdowns, we had to stay at home. And for a time, that transformed our cities and towns. They became deserted because normal activity was no longer possible. The majority of people were confined to their homes. Many shops and offices were closed. Regular contact between people was vastly reduced. They were difficult times, weren't they? And here in this book, there are perhaps even greater difficulties. Something, something has caused this city to become deserted and desolate. And reading verse 7, 
gives us some clues. In the days of her affliction and wandering, Jerusalem remembers all the treasures that were hers in days of old. When her people fell into enemy hands, there was no one to help her. Her enemies looked at her and laughed at her destruction. So it's clear that the writer of this book is talking about Jerusalem and describing how the city fell into enemy hands. Historically, that happened in 587 BC when the Babylonians laid siege to Jerusalem, the capital city of the kingdom of Judah, during a period of great distress that lasted at least 18 months. And after Jerusalem fell, the Babylonians systematically destroyed the whole city, its temple, its buildings, the walls around the city, and then the people were deported far away from home. This was a catastrophic event for the people of Judah, God's chosen people. After all, Jerusalem was the city of King David, the home of the hugely impressive temple built by Solomon, where all the annual festivals and religious sacrifices commanded by the law were meant to take place. If we want to read an account of what happened, we can turn to the last chapter of the book of Jeremiah or to 2 Kings chapter 25. Two passages are are almost identical and which describe the fall of Jerusalem. So let me just read a few verses from Jeremiah 52 to give us a feel for the way that things were recorded. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem for 11 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord just as Jehoiakim had done It was because of the Lord's anger that all this happened to Jerusalem and Judah. And in the end, he thrust them from his presence. Now, Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. So in the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, on the tenth day of the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, marched against Jerusalem with his whole army. They encamped around the city and built siege works all around it. The city was kept under siege until the 11th year of King Zedekiah. By the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine in the city had become so severe that there was no food for the people to eat. Then the city wall was broken through and the whole army fled. They fled towards the Arabah, but the Babylonian army pursued King Zedekiah and overtook him in the plains of Jericho. All his soldiers were separated from him and scattered, and he was captured. On the tenth day of the fifth month, the commander of the imperial guard who served the king of Babylon came to Jerusalem. He set fire to the temple of the Lord, the royal palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem. Every important building he burned down. The whole Babylonian army broke down all the walls around Jerusalem. The commander of the guard carried into exile some of the poorest people and those who remained in the city. Now, the whole book of Lamentations is also a description of what happened to Jerusalem. But unlike these other passages, what it does is give us the emotional impact of the fall of the city. In chapter 1, Jerusalem is described as a woman, a widow who had lost her husband, a queen who had become a slave, a daughter who had been trampled underfoot, And we can find 
historical details in Lamentations chapter 1 that confirm what we read in other places. For example, verse 3 tells us that after affliction and hard la- harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations and finds no resting place. Again, in verse 19, we read that the priests and elders perished in the city while they searched for food to keep themselves alive. But in fact, this book is so much more than just a report of a war-torn city or a nation under siege. A, a nation under, under siege. In fact, um, that's the kind of thing that we've probably heard in recent months about the, the war in Ukraine. But this book is a series of poems. Each of the five chapters is a separate poem describing what has happened from a slightly different perspective. There are 22 verses in chapter 1 because there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And each verse begins with the next letter of the alphabet. It's a particular style of poetry called an acrostic, like an A to Z of suffering and grief. And it's not just chapter 1 that's like that. If you look, chapter 2 has 22 verses, chapter 4 has 22 verses, so does chapter 5. And chapter 3 has three times as many verses, 66 verses. Because the first three verses, the first three lines, all begin with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Then we have three lines beginning with the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And all the way through to the last three lines, which, are, which begin with the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It takes quite a lot of work to come up with that sort of structure and pattern. And it's hidden from us in English because we use uh, a completely different alphabet with 26 letters. But what isn't hidden at all is the emotion and grief that the writer is expressing. Look at how verse 20 begins. See, Lord, how distressed I am. I am in torment within, and in my heart I am disturbed, for I have been most rebellious. And the first chapter ends with the words, My groans are many, and my heart is faint. Given what has happened to Jerusalem and to the people of Judah, these expressions of distress are completely understandable. But what is equally striking in this first chapter, and throughout the whole book, in fact, is the acknowledgement of why these things have happened. Verse 5, Her foes have become her masters, Her enemies are at ease. The Lord has brought her grief because of her many sins. Verse 8, Jerusalem has sinned greatly and so has become unclean. Verse 14, my sins have been bound into a yoke. By his hands they were woven together. They have been hung on my neck and the Lord has sapped my strength. Verse 18, the Lord is righteous, yet I rebelled against his command. Verse 20, I am in torment within, and in my heart I am disturbed, for I have been most rebellious. And finally, verse 22, let all their wickedness come before you. Deal with them as you have dealt with me because of all my sins. So there we have it. Six times in one chapter, the writer is saying, it's our fault that these terrible things have happened. And it's true, God had warned his people about the consequences 
of going their own way many, many times. As I've already said, Lamentations is a hard and distressing book to read for reasons I hope are becoming quite obvious. And even though that is the case, I very much want us to read this book to discover what we can learn from lament. From what I've already said, we might be thinking that the message of this book is simply that God punishes sin and that anything bad that happens to us is because we do things that are wrong in God's sight. But that's not quite right, is it? When Jesus healed the man who was blind from birth, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. There's no denying that even though the people of Judah and Jerusalem were those that God had chosen as his own, the descendants of Abraham, to whom God had promised great blessings, the people whom God had brought out of slavery in Egypt in order to give them their own land and freedom from slavery are now the ones going into exile, losing their land and their freedom and becoming slaves again in a foreign country. This is what God had warned them about many, many times. But as a nation, they hadn't listened. They didn't pay attention to God collectively. So the unthinkable has happened, and it's a very bitter pill to swallow. No wonder the writer of this book asks in verse 12, is it nothing to you, all you who pass by, look around and see, is any suffering like my suffering that was inflicted on me, that the Lord brought on me in the day of his fierce anger? But let's remember that here in chapter 1, what we have is not the confession or the consequence of one person's sin and wrongdoing, but rather it's the whole city of Jerusalem represented as a grieving woman expressing her thoughts and feelings about what has happened and why it's happened. Lament often comes as words of grief or a cry for help or even as a kind of complaint. We could ask the question, and it's good to ask the question, who is this book addressing? Who is the writer addressing through these poems? And as he pours out his heart in this way. And the answer from chapter 1 is very clear. It's God who is being addressed. Which tells us that even though terrible things have happened to the people of Judah and Jerusalem, there isn't a total rejection of God. The kind of total rejection that we might expect. Perhaps what has happened actually provides a way back to God because lament can also be a form of prayer. In verse 9, we have the phrase, Look, Lord, on my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. In verse 11, we have something very similar. Look, Lord, and consider, for I am despised. Again, we have in verse 20, See, Lord, how distressed I am. I am in torment within, and in my heart I am disturbed. In verse 12, the writer seems to be addressing other people, but in a very similar way. Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by, look around and see? 
Is any suffering like my suffering? It's this call to look, to see. And that's what we're doing on this, on this journey through the book of Lamentations. Verse 18, finally, gives us a message addressed to everyone, including, I think, ourselves today. Verse 18 says, The Lord is righteous, that I rebelled against his command. Listen, all you peoples. Listen and look on my suffering. So that's what we're doing on this journey through the book of Lamentations. We're wanting to listen to this voice of lament. We're looking on suffering, which is never an easy or comfortable thing to do. But perhaps it's what we need to do at this particular time. In his day, Jesus looked at the city of Jerusalem and was moved by what he saw. Perhaps we can use these next few weeks to consider the state of our city or of our nation. Or let's think about the condition of our churches in this country or here in Southampton. Or let's think about one another or other people that we know because another thing that is repeated six times in this first chapter is the phrase, there is no one to comfort or there is no one to help. Grief and suffering can lead to isolation, which only adds to the difficulties we're facing. Let's not forget the way Jesus is described in Isaiah 53 as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The promised rescuer who bore our griefs and carried our sorrows and took on himself our sins and wrongdoing, paying the price for our redemption through his death on the cross. Jesus wept when his friend Lazarus died. He poured out his heart to his father in heaven in the garden of Gethsemane just before his own death. Jesus was the one who said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Lamentations is a book like no other book in the Bible. Please, let's take uh, time this week, if we can, to read through it so that together we can learn from lament as we learn to lament with one another and with those around us in these difficult days. So let's pray together. Lord, we want you to teach us about lament and we want to learn to lament, knowing that godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Please help us this week and in the coming weeks to think not only of ourselves, but also of others in distress and difficulty. Lord Jesus, we ask you to lead us in lament and help us to express to you in prayer what we think and feel about the situation in the world today and in your church. Lord, we want to bring these requests to you in all honesty and humility. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious and wonderful name. Amen.